The Phoenix Suns keep making moves. Another trade, two more trades on Sunday morning, and the Bowl Bowl signing is official on today's episode of Locked On Suns. What does it all mean? Why did they do it, and what comes next? We'll break it down for you. Let's go. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past six seasons, a writer at suns.com, and the host of the Just Basketball Show, wherever you get your podcasts. A big thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen to start your week. Happy Monday. We are hopefully cresting downward on the heat wave if you are a local fan, but either way, welcome to another week. Welcome to Locked On Suns. We are free and available everywhere, every day. All you got to do is search Locked On Suns wherever you get your podcast free everywhere as well as YouTube. So hit that button, get the show in your feed every single day of the week throughout the offseason and beyond. Become an everyday or get locked on to the Phoenix Suns each and every day. Brandon Duenas is joining us as he does every single Monday to break down what uh, now has become a trade episode. We were not expecting this, Brandon, but uh, here we are. He is a writer at Bright Side of the Sun, so uh, go follow their work and everything else as well. But we have a lot to get to today, starting with Cameron Payne, the end of an era, one of the longest tenured sons all of a sudden, now gone as well. So we'll get right into that. Today's show brought to you by Prize Picks. First-time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code Locked on. More from them later on in the show. I'll start it off with you, Brandon. Um, makes sense financially, maybe. We didn't know how much he would play, but still a fan favorite in campaign and one of the only guys who had been on this team more than six months now also gone. What, did, what were your thoughts when you saw the trade news come down? Yeah, uh, a few things. Just number one, just tip of the cap to campaign for everything he's brought to, to the Valley. He's been... Uh, awesome in the community he's at every sporting event for pretty much every major league team college team whatever like he's gotten so uh, ingrained into the community and like that stuff gets noticed and uh, he'll be missed as, as a human being like he's, he's just a great guy and and I really do uh, I'll root for him um, sad to see him go but it, it makes sense to me uh, it really does and it's something that kind of started to pick up steam uh, these last few days and everyone kind of knew this was going to happen and and uh, finally did. So shout out to James Jones. He, he knew we were going to record today. So he, he made <laughs> sure to give us something to, to talk about. So, uh, but yeah, overall, just, uh, you know, it's, it, it makes sense uh, basketball wise and obviously financially, which we'll get into a little bit later. But but overall, um, you know, this it just feels like this whole offseason, the Suns have kind of been the main character uh, <laughs> yeah. in, in a sense. It's just and maybe that's just I'm so like, uh ingrained in son's twitter and everything it feels like that but it, even yeah, all the national people non-damian lillard category but but the sons have definitely exactly. been the uh like the character who shows up and just everybody kind of looks over their shoulder like what what the hell is that guy doing like that's <laughs> kind of i feel like uh yeah been the reaction and, and sort of the 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 pattern here but mm -hmm. Yeah, let's get into the basketball situation here. And, and I think a lot of the panic has sort of come from the standpoint of what are they doing at point guard, right? But 
I think you and I talked about it on the show at least once of, of kind of initial thoughts on who that fifth starter might be. And mm. I know a lot of people have been talking about it. I personally thought we were all on the same page, that it was likely to be uh, one of, you know, a Kogi or Bates Diop or, or somebody in that mold. I think you and I maybe even hit it of kind of like, yeah, maybe it's Payne or Goodwin, but that would be kind of a big risk and, and doesn't really seem to be the identity that they're trying to build from a size and physicality standpoint. So I personally, like you, wasn't like terribly surprised from a basketball standpoint that they thought Payne didn't necessarily have a, a clear role for himself this year. You know, maybe the kind of bench playmaker, but then Eric Gordon can do that. Like it just wasn't it wasn't clear cut and he made a decent amount of money, which again, like you said, we'll get into later. But I guess that's just it. I, I wasn't personally surprised that they moved on from him when you think about it that way. And I, mm -hmm. I don't think it was a lock that opening night of the season, he was going to be playing 20 minutes. Yeah. And, and look, Payne has not been the same since that 2021 run. Like he's had flashes where he's kind of looked like that again for a little bit, but the injuries, the inconsistency, like the poor shooting, uh, yeah. it's just, it's just added up and look, he, he could still bounce back by all means, but I just don't think that path to, to playing time was going to be there for him consistently, especially uh, because the Suns, they're going to need someone that's available uh, off the bench and, and consistently available. And he just wasn't that guy uh, these last couple of years. So, so to me, yeah, Goodwin, I think he probably has a lot to do with it as well. Like they, they've been, if you read between the lines, a lot of these tweets from reporters, agents, whatever you want to call it, just, it seems like Goodwin's kind of been the guy that's been hyped up a little bit in, in these, in this, uh, this off season and yeah. like the, as a secondary piece of that Beal trade, but but uh, I think that was a combination of it. And, and like you said, with the whole starter situation, there's so many guys that can that can start. It's not really going to matter. Uh, who they close with will matter, isn't really what's going to matter. But uh, Eric Gordon's addition as well kind of felt like riding on the wall for Payne as, in terms of uh, he, he can still facilitate a little bit and, and bring that scoring punch to the, to the bench unit. So I think that's also another factor that probably hasn't been talked about enough in terms of that was probably riding on the wall that, that Payne was done here. So Yeah, he missed... Uh... 24 games mm -hmm. two years ago and then 34 games this past season and to your point about the shooting he did bounce back a bit from deep this past year 38 percent but you know mid-range wise that that prime season that they went to the finals he shot 47 percent from mid-range 45 percent from deep you know those numbers maybe were never sustainable even 58 percent at the rim and that's gone down like everywhere across the board. Couple that with the availability. It just, it, I hope that he can find a spot. I mean, I think as a bench player on a team that, you know, wants to play a little looser, needs some kind of veteran poise and maybe even, you know, a faster team. There's a lot of places and, and way, like he is an NBA player, but on a team trying to win a championship, he was not going to be a surefire rotation guy. Let's talk about Goodwin though, because I was already, I, I've already made the point a few times that, you know, even on, as a bench guy, even as a fringe kind of rotation player, let's see, but ideally he's playing for us. If that's kind of like been the approach, this makes it like, okay, he's, he's probably for sure playing for us. And by that, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking as the coaching staff. Um, that feels like a little bit of a risk. Like, I don't want to, you know, poo poo it before we even see it but I just mean from the standpoint of a guy whose track record is really like the back half of one season on a bad team even though he's been a, a fairly well-regarded player even when he was like a 10-day and two-way type of fringe guy and then all the way through people have liked him but to
to say, all right, now, like, you know, you're playing 15, 20 minutes for a contender. That is a big step forward for a pretty young player. Yeah, for sure. And and I think uh, they've, they've done their due diligence on him and, and really dug into like what type of player he is. And, and there's no guarantees it's going to work out. I, I'm pretty high on him. Like we, I think we both are. Mm. Um, we think he can do it, but there's, there's no guarantees in this league, especially the younger players. So uh, there's the, the beauty of this whole situation with all the adding all these second round picks uh, at their disposal. It's, it's very easy to find a backup point guard because point guard is the deepest position in the NBA by far. Um, mm-hmm. That doesn't mean they're, they're going to fall into your lap, like the perfect fit, but there's always going to be someone out there that if the Goodwin experiment isn't going well and someone gets hurt, they can go out and, and use those newly acquired picks to, to find a solution that, that can help. Um, but honestly, it's my favorite part about Goodwin is just how seamless he, he plugs into playing alongside all three of their, their guards of Gordon Booker and Beal, because he can play on and off ball. He, he brings, uh, he masks a lot of their weak, their weaknesses and does stuff that they don't do. So I think it's just a, a perfect fit, but now it's about going out there and seeing how it looks on the court and hopefully it works out. Yeah, I think that's a fair way to put it. They don't need him, but as far as a point of attack defender, you know, we don't know if Okogi is going to stick. We don't fully know, you know, if guys like, you know, Booker or Gordon are really up for that for a full season. So there is a, it's specifically perimeter defense. I do think they really do have a need for him to, to pop. And then, you know, if he can continue to shoot the ball well and, and develop as a real playmaker, all that stuff would be nice too, but we will see. Uh, let's talk about the cap and, and sort of, behind-the-scenes or rule-based fallout ripple effects from this, and specifically how it kind of connects to them finally giving Bol Bol a contract, which is fully guaranteed according to Sham Sharania, kind of how they got there and, and what the pain thing, how the pain thing led to that next. First, today's show, again, brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks has fixed daily fantasy sports. I personally used to hate even bothering with it. I, I tried and lost a fair bit of money and prize picks is more fun and I don't lose as much money because there's no uh, hustlers, there's no pools, there's no leagues, there's no head-to-head. It is just you versus the prize picks player projections. Just pick two to six players in your lineup and you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry across all of your favorite sports. Just got done watching the Wimbledon final. There is tennis projections as well as MLB going soccer not too distantly in the future and then by fall we will have football and basketball back in our lives entry can be made in 60 seconds or less they offer safe and fast withdrawals and they are currently operational in over 30 states including Arizona as well as Canada download the price picks app now or go to pricepicks.com to sign up and play this awesome daily fantasy sports game first time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on if you deposit 100 Prize picks matches that with $100 right back into your account. So don't forget to enter that promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Keeping it rolling, let's talk Bull Bull and let's talk about this roster and where we are now. So let's start here, Brandon, with the trade for pain again and, and kind of the behind the scenes part of this that maybe. Might help fans understand why it happened. The first thing to to kind of break down, I think, is the fact that they just guaranteed his $6 million. And then to trade him, which is basically a dump, right? He is going to the San Antonio Spurs. Maybe should have said this at the top of the podcast uh, for, uh, as I did say, a second-round pick, 
which I think that second round pick that they quote unquote like got from San Antonio, I think it's what like a lot of cap dorks will call like a fake second round pick where it might be top 55 protected um, and then, you know, converse, confers into cash or something like those are just to, to satisfy the trade. I don't think that will be a real second round pick. Uh, and so they basically dumped Cameron Payne right after guaranteeing his money. The Athletic had a good note, Brandon, that basically they would have owed him $2 million and had to replace him with somebody like Bull Bull, whereas now he's off their books completely and the only salary on their books is Bull Bull, as far as we know right now. But really, that is a dump of a salary in a summer where we have kind of lauded the Suns for spending money and doing whatever it takes. Uh, it reminded me a little bit of the Dario Saric trade at the deadline, and I guess it maybe just is sort of like the thing you have to deal with as an NBA team. You're going to spend, but you're still not going to be stupid, I guess. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think especially if they're guys that you're not fully committed to, it's a little bit easier to move on from them. So uh, just looking forward to their rotation. I, I guess Payne wasn't really someone that they were sold on being that guy. So dumping him for that that move. We know Ishbia, he's not a cheap owner by any stretch. So uh, I think this this move, like you said, was calculated to save them uh, money by doing it the way they did in the order they did it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it, it definitely makes sense uh, on that end. And and adding, uh, you know, the, the bull rumor also has been brewing for so long. It felt like there's always going to be something that happened beforehand. So sure. uh, the, way, the way everything kind of broke down makes makes a lot of sense to me. And and I'm interested to see how San Antonio, what, what they do with Payne, if they end up keeping him, flipping him. Uh, you know, I'm sure they'll probably try to maybe build his value up and try to flip him at the deadline maybe. So that, that'll be something to watch. But yeah. but yeah. Let me ask you a couple questions that are just going to mm-hmm. all start with, were you surprised that? All right. <laughs> and we'll just mm-hmm. kind of like go through the different ways they could have done this versus how they did it. Firstly, you know, considering we heard TJ McConnell, that's obviously a headliner name. I did do an episode about that rumor last week and basically said the most important part of this report is that campaign is available, not that it's going to necessarily result in TJ McConnell specifically coming to Phoenix, even if he did make sense as a player. So what I'll ask you is, were you surprised there wasn't a real market for pain, especially considering the Suns have these extra seconds now? They had three before. Now they have five, I think, because they did have to send one with pain. Are you surprised there wasn't a deal out there for someone like McConnell using Payne's salary? Because that's one of the things here is they lost one of their only other tradable salaries that isn't a max guy or DeAndre Ayton, which he's also a max guy, I guess. I'm not. Uh, just mainly due to the timing of this whole thing. If they try to like strike on this earlier in the offseason, which for certain reasons they couldn't, um, I think they might have had a little bit more uh, options and flexibility but it seems like a lot of teams kind of have their like pieces set in place at this point so i wasn't super shocked on that end were you surprised that they uh, well i'll say i i probably wasn't either um especially if they were shopping for like a clear-cut improvement on pain i thought Mm -hmm. maybe they could have done it where maybe they got like a younger player some someone like a goodwin type who's a little bit unproven but maybe some upside or some intrigue there from uh, a bad team somebody that just doesn't have playing time for that guy maybe say kind of like what they did with a lot of their minimums just bring somebody in who could get better here but if that that you know that's a very select group of people if that wasn't an option then yeah I don't think they were going to get a clear-cut improvement I talked last time about how the salary stuff was was weird you were going to have to combine pain with somebody and and everything else um let's go to the other possibility here which is are you surprised that they didn't just 
cut Ish Wainwright in order to bring Bull in and then continue to shop for a pain trade elsewhere. It seems like they kind of did these things together with maybe a little bit of urgency to just get the bull signing done. Maybe I'm wrong with that whole order of operations, but I just expected if they were going to bring bull in, it would either be non-guaranteed or they would cut ish. Yeah, a little bit. Um, part of it though, with the whole ish situation is like his salary could be used in, if they are going to try to make another trade, just to, to bump it up a notch because they don't really have a ton of tradable contracts right now. So uh, keeping him around just, just in case feels like that's kind of what they're doing for now. And, but, but yeah, I think bull and ish together uh, kind of as the back end guys right now makes sense. But if, if another move happens, like I, f- I feel like ish is kind of the, the guy that everyone's going to be looking at to go. So mm-hmm. a little bit shocked on that end, but not, like nothing crazy or out of the blue entirely yeah and even if it's not a trade like maybe there's another bull bull type that they suddenly yep. like right or it, during the season if Saban Lee or you know some other whatever else they fill their second round deals with if those guys pop and you want them to be on your playoff roster then ish is is cuttable although you kind of would need to make that decision early because I think it's January when he's guaranteed mm-hmm. um so yeah, there, there's still some flexibility there. Yeah, but to, to your point with the, the the tradable contracts, it's like even just for, tradable contracts can mean like the players that make sense to be dealt, like guys who make a middle amount of money who aren't your core players, etc. But there's also the other factor for the Suns now where most of their roster is made up of players who they're literally not allowed to trade, right? I mean, Beal obviously yep. who they wouldn't trade, but then all the minimum players they just signed can't be can't be traded until midseason. So they're they're pretty much running out of options here. And I don't exactly know what they'll do with now the the five second round picks that they have. It's 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 confusing to me. Um uh I do want to list off the number though as well, just to give people an idea again of why they did it this way of dumping pain. They saved about thirty million dollars in, in tax money. So I don't want to pretend like that's not part of this, but it is a little bit confusing, but sell me on Bull Bull. That's the last place I want to go here, Brandon, because uh, you were saying before we hit record that you're maybe a little higher than some are. I brought Damon Allred on a while back, and it happened to break. The the interest in him happened to break right before we hit record, so we, we talked about it, and he was kind of like, there's no way I'm giving that guy a, a guaranteed contract. I'm fine to bring him into camp or give him a non-guarantee, but I'm not you know, betting on him to, to live up even to a minimum, like, I do think people are a little confused or wondering exactly what he's going to provide. So what is your pitch for uh, the upside of, of this guy? <laughs> so I'll start with this. I think a lot of people kind of point to the fact, like I've seen, I've just seen this, this is just on Twitter. So this is not real life, but it's, it's Twitter. It's out there. There's, there's tweets. Uh, a lot of people are just saying he sucks. He's not an NBA player. He shouldn't be rostered. That's where I'm, I'm higher on that than in, in terms of like, if, if you're going to have like a 14th or 15th guy, and you're going to take a swing like bull. Yes. He was not great in Orlando by all like advanced metrics. You look at the turnovers, some of the stuff he tried, but is he going to like, you have to look at what he's going to look like in Phoenix in this environment. He's not going to have that same freedom. He's not going to have the leash to kind of do whatever he wants. Like Orlando, they have a lot of young talent. They're still trying to figure their identity out. It was kind of a free for all there. And you, you really just have to look at what bull is going to look like in this system um, with, you know, Frank Vogel coaching him, uh, how many minutes is he even going to play? Like this is like that's the other thing is like he might not play at all. Like, I mean, there's still there's a chance that he'll get minutes, and I think he'll have a chance to showcase his, his talent in certain lineups. But 
Uh, overall, like in terms of upside, and I, I get he's not like a prospect prospect at this point, but he's still young enough to where in the right system he could turn around and, and show he belongs in the league. Uh, and, you know, just the size and length and his his potential is really what intrigues me. So if you're, if you're taking up, you know, 13th, 14th, 15th spot with a guy like that, I'm, I'm totally sold on that. Like, I, I don't see how you could be upset at that. If, if he was like their sixth or seventh guy or something and like guaranteed some big role, then I can understand the the eye rolls and all that. But but in terms of like what he's going to actually be here uh, in, in this environment, like it, it excites me a little bit just because I think there there's some there's some room for him to grow. And, um, you know, by all means, like I'm not saying he's going to be the next Wembenyama or Giannis or anything <laughs> like that, but but he, he has some upside for sure. So I think yeah. that can't be ignored and that should definitely be a factor. Um, when you're kind of zooming out a little bit in terms of just looking uh, at everything with the magnifying glass of what he did on a, a bad Orlando team. The way that I kind of put it, and I think we are on the same page uh, to the, for the most part, and I, I was never as down on it as like Damon was, who I mentioned us talking about it on the show of just like, no way. It's like, you know, I, I think the Suns, the, the new guys, I, I'm, I'm pretty pleased with. But at that point, like Isaiah Todd was still on this roster, Ish Wainwright, um, campaign even like if you're talking about Sun, bringing Suns legend Isaiah Todd <laughs> yeah exactly uh, one summer league practice that that's the extent <laughs> of the the black purple and orange for him if you're talking about replacing those guys with bull it's like I don't like to your point how how angry can you really like get I, I understand we're all sickos and we care too much about this stuff but like you know come on um, I do think though to, to kind of continue to be uh, to, to list the positives here the Frank Vogel part of this can't be ignored and uh, the way that I put it before was like I think this opportunity for bowl can be a little bit of a middle ground between what the situation was in Denver where it was obviously a good team and there was a lot of structure but there was not a lot of buy-in from the coaching staff it seems like like Nuggets people kind of don't love the bowl experience and they they didn't appreciate kind of the attitude and everything else and then Orlando, where it was like, do, you know, like you were saying, kind of do your thing, like play, play whatever way you want and not as much structure, but a lot of opportunity. Like this might be an, a middle ground where there is a lot of structure, a, a developmental opportunity for him, but also not a ton of playing time to where he's sort of overextended or, or put in a bad spot. Like, I, I do think this can be a happy, happy medium for him. We'll see. But Frank Vogel has had success with players like this. You know, you think back Jan Mahinmi. Uh, I'm going to bring you a lot of names that you've never thought of, folks, but this is this is the Vogel track record because he has been in the league a long time. Jan Mahinmi in, in Indiana. Uh, Miles Turner, actually, the last year that Vogel was in Indiana was Miles's rookie year. Guys like Bismack Biombo had two solid seasons in Orlando under him. The beginning of the Kem Birch experience in Orlando was Vogel's second and final year there. And he has gotten like at least positive defensive seasons out of a lot of these guys. And I know that that sounds like nothing, but if you get that out of out of Bull Bull on a minimum, if he does have to play spot minutes or anything, like you could be doing a lot worse. So uh, I think that's I think that we're in agreement there. I'm excited to see because obviously mm -hmm. the upside is immense. Yeah, and look, there's one lineup that I'm really looking forward. I don't know if we'll see it a lot, but I think just the Booker Beal Durant with. Aiton and Bull, just the size mm. of that team is ridiculous. To have three dudes um, that huge, like clogging up the paint and contesting everything, and then Booker and Beal on out on the perimeter, like that—that's that's one lineup that really intrigues me. If Bull does show he's capable of playing and, and 
like you said, just like Vogel gets the most out of him defensively, especially then that that's a really fun lineup that I'm looking forward to. But yeah, the, the bull hype is kind of where I think that crossover gets mixed up of what people expect. Like Bleacher Report, that graphic with like him, Durant, Beal and, and Booker is like, come on, come on, guys, what are we doing here? But but uh, it's, it's just stuff like that, like where the hype gets misconstrued with like mm-hmm. what he actually is. And that's where I get like where some of those takes like this guy sucks or whatever. Like, but it, in, in reality, he's like for what they signed him for and what he's going to actually provide. Like I'm, I'm all for it. I think it's a great move Yeah. Um, on the margins. Like if it, if it doesn't work out, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. And, and he does seem to have a relationship with KD, which I'm sure didn't hurt. And maybe even in, in season, that that's a positive, you know, being having an actual yeah. connection with somebody else. Maybe that hasn't been there for him in the past. I don't know. Um, but yeah, to your point on the size, it makes me think of the lineups that that lineup Denver played in the bubble during one of the warm up games where it was just like bull was like technically the point guard uh, was was crazy. But let's clean up some other loose ends. Saban Lee got a two way contract despite not playing in summer league. And the Summer League team played two more games, and we saw another couple of strong performances from Tumani Kamara. Can he play? Can Saban Lee play? Will either of these guys have a role? And what else might be might we be looking at in the future for the Suns after a quick break? All right, closing out the show. What are your thoughts on Saban Lee, Brandon? Um I guess in the one hand, we were talking about, you know, they don't need typical point guards. They don't need traditional point guards. They did bring on another one who can play minutes in the regular season for them and who they have some familiarity with and obviously believe in to a degree. Otherwise, they wouldn't have brought him back in Saban Lee. Maybe that helps some of the innings eater uh, minutes in the regular season if guys do get hurt. Do you think he is somebody that they can rely on to play five, 10 minutes every few weeks or something. Is, is he good enough there? What do you think of his upside? Just give me kind of your, your thoughts on, on him coming back. Yeah. So I'll, I'll start with a positive on Lee and then get to my initial uh, overview of it, which is not as nice, but, uh, but overall, I think his ability to get downhill and like how shifty he is, is, is useful, especially for a team like this, where you can do some driving kicks and, you know, get to the rim. Um, there's there's moments where I think he'll probably have to step up just due to like their, their roster construction, like injuries will happen, foul trouble, whatever. Like he'll get minutes from time to time. Can you rely on him? I don't think so at this point. Um, I I don't know uh, if he's someone like, if he's playing consistent minutes, we're in trouble. Like that, <laughs> sure. that's the yeah. best way to put it. Yes. So, but is he someone that if there's a blowout in either direction, whether they're getting blown out or blowing someone else out and he can come in and play minutes, like, sure, that's fine. But I, if there it's like an important game and he's your primary backup, then something's gone wrong. So that's, that's where I stand with him. I, you know, I don't have a lot of strong, like he's, he's a local kid, you know, he's had a great career, um, but he's just not someone that I think on a championship contender makes a ton of sense to yeah. be a consistent rotation player. But, but there are, there are some things I like about him for sure. And I think, um, if he can get a more consistent jumper, then there could be something there. Uh, but right now that's kind of the thing that's holding him back a little bit is just how slow that releases and, you know, but his ability to get downhill is definitely something that I think, uh, could help, uh, if he's playing with the starters in terms of spacing and all that, but, uh, sure. but yeah, not, not super sold on him overall. Yeah, he is 24. So again, and it kind of like some of these other guys we're talking about, whether it's Bull or Goodwin, like we think of even Kamara, like we think of them as kind of prospects, but this this is not a one and done guy who went to Duke and is 19, right? It's like they kind of got to start to show something at a certain point. Otherwise, 
you can't really count on the ceiling and the upside and all that as much. I think the the stuff I like about Saban Lee's game, and I've liked him. I watched him in person when he was at a like a um the Jerry Colangelo Classic thing that they do in Phoenix every year. Vanderbilt played there one year, and I went to watch Neesmith, but he was on the team, and he is an he's an elite athlete. I mean, at least in terms of the explosiveness and and the hops and everything else, like the kind of turnover creation stats and a lot of that stuff jumped off the page when he was in college. He still has created steals at a pretty high level in the NBA. He does the hustle stuff, offensive rebounds, all that stuff. What you like about his offensive game is that he gets to the rim and draws fouls, but he can't finish. And I think if he could even just finish more, that would go a really long way. Like that, that's at least the blueprint for an NBA player. If, if it's an athletic guard who can create layups and, and dunks for himself and then or fouls and then, you know, dish out to shooters and everything because of the attention that he draws inside, plus plays solid defense at the point of attack. Like, that's an NBA player, um, but that part is gone. He shot, he or not there yet. He shot 46% at the rim last year despite getting there 56% of the time. That 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 math has to even out. Um, so I'm, I'm intrigued to at least watch him. I think he's worth bringing back. I mean, you could do a lot worse with the two-way, and he is local and all that stuff, so not mm. not bad at all. Let's talk about Tamani Kamara and the basic question I want to explore for a couple of minutes before we wrap up, Brandon. After another couple of strong summer league games, obviously he's been really solid throughout. Had maybe one. The Pelicans game wasn't wasn't great, but even that one was solid. Do you think there is a pathway to him contributing for this team in the regular season? Now that we sort of know what the roster is going to look like, maybe. Uh, Is it more or less than you thought maybe going into summer league? Do I think there's a pathway? No, not at the surface level in terms of just in terms of getting minutes, it's going to be really tough for him. If everyone's healthy, just looking at the depth chart on paper. Um, do I think he's capable? Yes. I, I do think for small stretches, he's someone that you could throw out there and uh, he can survive and, and bring some energy and, and some youth and athleticism that they're lacking. Uh, he's shown some exciting flashes for sure. And in summer league, you can't really get too high or low on anything because the, the context of it, it's like a team thrown together and an offense that, you know, they're still working on chemistry and all that. So you just kind of have to look at, uh, you know, the overall environment and factor that into it and just look at what, what he's doing and how that plugs into what the Suns need. And I think he does check a lot of boxes on that end. So he's definitely intriguing to me. Um, but opening night, I don't expect him to, he's going to be a DMP um, unless something crazy happens like injury wise. So, uh, but yeah, o- overall, I think he's definitely someone that Suns fans can get a little excited about not trying to go too overboard or anything, but he no. could end up being a solid role player for sure. No, I, I agree. I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to overreact, but there is just, I mean, if you're putting up consistent like 2010 games in summer league, that's not insignificant. And, and I think the feel that he's shown the IQ that he's shown, we already know he's a pretty solid athlete has length and height and all the stuff you would want in an NBA body. Like, you know, I think he showed exactly what you would have wanted him to show in summer league, considering all those physical and mental gifts that we know he has. I also like that he at least seems like a player who can not be a negative, even if the shot's not going down, but if the shot is going down, you could honestly, like I could see him vaulting above some of the other fringe guys who we're not sure are going to play for this team, like bull, like Chemezi Metu, you know, I think I could see Kamara 
being better than those guys as soon as this season. But I think big picture, the goal should be, you know, can he be a rotation player next year on opening night, right? Like, can you mm-hmm. develop him? And that's part of why you give him a guaranteed full contract right away and, and not kind of play it year by year is you want to, to, to be rewarded. You want you as a team, you want to put the development into him and, and get something out of that in the future. So that's kind of how I would play it. I think you um, and I are, are on the same page there, but I mean, he's been, he's been good. Like I, I don't, I don't think it's yeah. an overreaction after four summer league games where he was consistently pretty solid to say like, we're on the right track there, you know? No, yeah, I think you nailed it in terms of like he doesn't need his shot to fall for him not to be a negative and he doesn't need the ball. And that's those are two huge boxes. If you're a role player on this team and you want minutes, you're going to have to be as low maintenance as possible and bring the most amount of energy and do the little things. And I think that's something not only is he gonna, he's going to want to do because he's a rookie trying to prove himself, but he has a physical ability to do that, too. So I think it's it's a there's definitely going to be a pathway there. If their injury happens, uh, he gets an opportunity and seizes it. Um, but it's it's probably not going to happen right away for him. It's going to take some time for sure. Rapid fire. Did the Suns make another trade before opening night? No. Okay. I'm just saying that to reverse jinx it because I want more trades. So. <laughs> I would love, I would love content. I mean, I do think that the the league is in for, like, I think it was a few years back. Maybe it was like the Kawhi thing or, or something, but I think it was. No surprise, Brian Windhorst, who who tends to kind of get stuff at this level better than anybody, where he was like, the league is, it doesn't end after the first week of July like it used to. And I mean, we're already on July 16th and stuff is still happening, but there's now three significant trades that are on the table between Harden, Lillard, and now, I guess, Pascal Siakam, you know? So it, it wouldn't surprise me if just the shuffle of all of that creates new opportunities for every team to get involved, you know, I mean, I'm sure teams didn't necessarily know campaign was going to be out there. Now they're like, damn, do we have a roster spot for him? We could use a a quick guard. Like, you know, stuff just does happen. Um, We'll see what happens with the two ways and everything the rest of the month and a half or so until, you know, guys start getting to camp and, and all that, but that will wrap us up for today. At least read Brandon at bright side of the sun. I will be back tomorrow with some sort of podcast for you. Uh, check out the last one that we did last week with Mike Prada breaking down Bradley Beal. That was a really good nitty gritty basketball conversation from someone who watches the Wizards more than anybody else, I would say, outside of, you know, some some local season ticket holders or something. But that guy knows his stuff and we got really in the weeds on Beal. Be back tomorrow. Have a great Monday. Please do not pass out or burn from the heat. And I will talk to you then.